So this morning, my wife asked me how I was feeling, if I was nervous. I'm like, I'm not nervous. She gave me a little pep talk before I left the house. And she said, well, just don't speak slowly. It makes me sleepy when you speak slowly. <laughs> so on the way here, I drank a Red Bull. So I don't know how that's going to go. But um, so we've been trekking through the book of Matthew, and um, he's been, Matthew's been uh, sharing with us the teachings of Jesus, his ministry, um, his practical ministry of healing people, forgiving sins, uh, cleansing the temple. And today we're going to dive into parables. Um, last week we started with parables, um, thanks to Doug, who helped out uh, while some of us were at the retreat last week. Um, but today we're going to talk about kingdom. And kingdom is something, just that word by itself, like if uh, I were just to imagine images that come to mind when I think of the word kingdom, um, it's not what Jesus shows us. I think of, you know, first off, I think of like castles and Disneyland and, you know, Lord of the Rings and all these things that show up where kingdoms are at war. But Jesus uh, doesn't use those images. You know, he uses a farmer, a mustard seed, uh, yeast. And so as we dive into this text this morning, uh, just remember that uh, the way that Jesus communicates his kingdom, his values, is much different than we naturally would gear our minds towards. You know, we see that uh, we live in a very interesting time compared to Jesus' time. Uh, we live in an age that is, uh, we love things that are instant. Um, I was thinking about when I was a kid and we first got the internet at our house and you'd have to like turn off all the phone lines and you'd dial up and you'd be like, yes, and loading pages would be like minutes and you're like, oh, this is awesome. And now if a page took a minute to load on my phone, I would be furious. Something's wrong, my phone's messed up, this website's down, forget it, it's just a hassle. Um, we, I was sharing with uh, my community group last week, I was at the store and there's somebody in front of me, we were in the express lane at the store, 12 items or less, and uh, I counted, they had 36 items. And I was not happy, they, they broke the rules and I'm in a relative hurry. And even um, the fun things, the things that we enjoy on the side, of normal life. Uh, my wife and I uh, really enjoy the Great British Baking Show uh, for those that, one person, yes! Um, and Netflix usually releases a whole season. My wife and I, wanting to be good millennials, will binge that season 
and just watch six episodes in a night, go to bed at 1 a.m., and regret it the next day, but we love it. Uh, Netflix is now releasing one episode a week, and it's frustrating. And just showing me where my heart is as far as patience, where my heart is as far as um, I need speed, I need efficiency, I need things to get better and faster. And there is some value in that, but notice that that's not the values that Jesus teaches about his kingdom. I mean, even in the Old Testament, when you look at God choosing a king for Israel, he chooses David, the runt, the small one, the one that nobody expected. Um, when Israel is going to war and Gideon's there, God whittles that army down to 300 men. It doesn't make sense. And it's hard for us that our children of God, that are part of his kingdom, when we're here and we do see suffering, we do see that there are evils in this world, there are evils in our own hearts, and you know, when our sin just, uh, whatever we're struggling with, rears its ugly head in our life and just throws a wrench in our week, when we see that depression and anxiety is taking the lives of our friends and our family, it seems like every week now someone else has taken their life. War is rampant in the world, and it seems like hurricanes are ripping up whole countries now. Um, and we long for change, and we need that change. But Jesus says that that change is coming. Don't lose hope, but it's coming slowly. It's coming differently than you would have imagined. So Jesus shares these parables with the people. He says, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who has sown good seed in his field. But while people were sleeping, his enemy came, sowed weeds among wheat, the wheat, and left. When the plants sprouted and produced grain, then the weeds also appeared. And the landowner's servants came to him and said, Master, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Then where did these weeds come from? An enemy did this, he told them. So do you want us to go and pull up the weeds? The servants asked him. No, he said. When you pull up the weeds, you might also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At harvest time, I'll tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and tie them in bundles to burn them, but collect the wheat in my barn. Then Matthew jumps to another parable, and he does this on purpose. So it's super interesting if you look at the authors of the New Testament, how they construct, how they format their texts. Um, Matthew wants to build up the intensity of this parable, and so he introduces two other smaller parables and then gives the explanation uh, for that first parable. So we're going to put a pin in that, move to the next parable, and wait for Jesus' explanation of that parable. Uh, and real quickly, 
when we think of parables, like some of them are pretty straightforward. Some of them are really curious and some of them make absolutely no sense. And when Jesus uses parables, I forget what theologian puts it this way, um, but he uses parables and the purpose of parables is not to give you the full explanation of the belief that it's representing. The parables are designed to make you think, to make you ponder, to chew on them, to process them. And that's why there's a little bit of mystery in each of these parables, because Jesus wants his listeners to come back to them, to think about them, to wrestle with them. And so he shares this parable about a mustard seed. He presented another parable to them. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It's the smallest of all the seeds, but when grown, it's taller than the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the sky come and nest in its branches. The kingdom of God starts small. If you think about that, it started with 12 homeless guys in the Middle East 2,000 years ago. And we're in Idaho at one of many churches in town that all love Jesus, want to see him known, want to see him be made famous on earth. And it's amazing. I was looking at some numbers of how many Christians existed uh, on earth from the time of Jesus to now. And I know that number's probably pretty generous, but it's like billions. The kingdom of God started small, but grew into something and is continuing to grow into something huge, amazing. And it's created a refuge for the weak, for the poor, for the needy, the sick, this little seed that grew into a tree. Uh, I was in California a few years back, and there's, there's a tree down there called, you know when they name a tree, it's like big, right? And so this tree, General Sherman is its name. Um, it's been around for more than 2,000 years. It's been growing for more than 2,000 years, and it is ginormous. And you think about when this tree started, bless you, uh, when this tree started, it was just a seed. 2,000 years later, I mean, literally thousands of animals reside in this tree, make their homes in this tree. I think it's very interesting that Jesus says in this parable that the mustard seed grows into a tree, it's bigger than any other plants, and birds find their homes in this tree. Now, typically in scripture, in parables, birds are seen as bad, whether they represent the enemy or tools of the enemy, um, wickedness, but they find a home in this tree, in the kingdom of God. There's shelter, there's refuge there. I don't think Jesus is pointing out that, and see, even evil people will be in the kingdom, but the fact of the matter is the kingdom of God is so big, so generous, so kind, that the enemies of God benefit from the kingdom. When you look at 
the amount of humanitarian aid that the church puts out every year. I mean, it's just amazing. And that's something that on a large scale, we need to continue to do. But on a personal scale, are we being so generous, so kind? Are we a refuge not only for our brothers and sisters, but for the people on the outside? Whoops, there goes John. Maybe some batteries. Because the kingdom of God is one of love, is one of patience, is one of kindness. And as we're longing for it to come fully into reality, it's constantly us recalibrating our perspective to one of patience. I mean, because that's part of our Christian life, surrendering to God, letting him, his spirit, permeate our hearts, grow us, change us, transform us. And even that, I don't know about you guys, that is a long, slow process for me. Sanctification, oh man, if I could just turn up the uh, speed on that, that would be very nice. But that's not really how God wants that to work. The next parable, he told them another parable, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and mixed into 50 pounds of flour until all of it was leavened. And again, Jesus uses in this parable leaven. Leaven is typically seen as a synonym, a type for sin. It's infectious, it's contagious, it spreads. And I love that Jesus uses this picture for the kingdom because, you know, as the enemy does plant things that infect us and that are contagious, the kingdom of God is also contagious. Personally, I was uh, convicted this week of just how much of the kingdom mindset is lacking in my own life. Do I let it infect me? Do I let it spread in to every area of my heart. Going back to the great British baking show, they prove their bread. Last night was the bread episode. It was super good, and you should watch it. Um, so they're proving their dough, letting that yeast make its reaction in the dough. And if that dough is underproved, their bread is going to suck and they rip it open, they totally analyze it and make these people feel very small. But how often is my heart underproved? How often do I not let the Spirit of God saturate my heart, change my perspective? How often do I skip out on my time in Scripture, my time in prayer, my fellowship with my community, my generosity, my love, my kindness? How often do I scoot those things aside and not let the kingdom have its way in my own heart? And then that passes on to not letting the kingdom have its way in the lives of the people around me. See, because... As God's Spirit reveals truth to us, as we spend time in Scripture, as followers of Jesus, we will begin to mature. And this is a slow process. Um, 
I don't know if we're allowed to talk about this in church, but I'm going to. So bourbon fascinates me. So I'm a coffee roaster, and you know I get coffee, and I roast it, and then the next day I can taste it, and then I can adjust that roast, and then the next day try a different version of that roast. So distillers, they put together their mash, they make their bourbon, that bourbon rests in barrels and it doesn't reach its full maturity for 20 years. And so that one batch of bourbon, you know, if I'm 21, make my first batch of bourbon, I'm 41 by the time I taste that bourbon at its fullest. Then I can make adjustments. And then my second batch, I'm 61. I get to taste that, make adjustments. Most distillers don't make it to their third batch of bourbon because they're dead. And that fascinates me because of how much patience they have to have to perfect their craft. And so just as bourbon has to rest, you know, scripture, the spirit, do we rest with those things? Do we allow them to seep into every area of our life? And are we patient? Are we patient with that process? It's frustrating because we want to have the end result now. It's frustrating because we see that, you know, as this process is going, we still mess up. We still drop the ball. We still uh, misrepresent the kingdom. But Jesus' whole point of this parable is that as that leaven spreads, you know, as that dough proves, the kingdom is going to make its way into every area of that dough. The kingdom is going to make its way into every area of our life. It brings hope to those that don't have hope in our lives. And if you look at the early church in the book of Acts, it says that they... Um, the, the city thought that they were weird, but that they were super cool. They had a great reputation among all men. And that's because the early church did life with all men. They lived with that kingdom mindset, with that kingdom perspective as they went to work, as they went to the market, as they did life with people in the city. And so for us, having that kingdom mindset when we're at home raising our kids, when we're at, that, when we're at the park with our friends, when we're at work, when we're at school, when we're at family gatherings, are we allowing the kingdom to be seen? And I think that naturally, as we press into kingdom living, It'll make its way out of our hearts into the lives of those around us. It'll make impressions on those around us. So as we do life with those who don't follow Jesus, seeds are planted and new life is sprouted up in the hearts of those around us. But it takes time, like a tree, like a nice bourbon, but through that whole time, God's enemies are there. The enemies of God are in our midst, 
going back to the first parable, they're in the field. Verse 36. Then he left the crowds and went into the house. His disciples approached him and said, Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. He replied, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. And the good seed, these are the children of the kingdom. The weeds are the children of the evil one. And the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. Therefore, just as the weeds are gathered and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will gather from his kingdom all who cause sin and those guilty of lawlessness. They will throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in their Father's kingdom. Let everyone who has ears listen. So Jesus explains this parable of the wheat and the weeds, and it's a story of sabotage. There's an enemy of this farmer that comes in and plants um, bad seed, weeds, tares, in this farmer's field in order to ruin this farmer's harvest. And the farmer points out that if we were to go in and remove all of the weeds, that it would uproot some of the wheat. So he's not going to do that. He's going to be patient and let the wheat and the weeds grow together. I have a very similar perspective on how um, I take care of my lawn. I let the weeds grow, um, and I'll take care of them later. So I'm just displaying patience with the weeds, I guess. So these weeds are the children of the devil. And at the end of the age, they will be separated and they will be judged. And the children of God will be remaining and they will be fully redeemed. And Jesus is showing that he is patient with his enemies. And this was hard for first century Jews to swallow because the Messiah to them was supposed to be a savior of power, of strength. You know, when you look at um, in the Old Testament, Nebuchadnezzar had this dream and he, it disturbed him. He needed it interpreted. And so he called all of his uh, sorcerers, magician, his wise men and said, hey, I need you to interpret this dream. And to prove that you're just not making it up, I'm not going to tell you the dream. You have to tell me the dream and then you have to interpret it. And so they're freaking out. Uh, he threatens to kill them all if they can't do that. And so Daniel, who is one of these wise men, uh, Praise to the true God. God reveals the dream, and not only the dream, but also the interpretation. And so Daniel goes to Nebuchadnezzar, interprets the dream for him. And in this dream, you see different nations throughout history. And Nebuchadnezzar is one of those nations, and then it just predicts who's going to conquer him, who's going to conquer that nation, who's going to conquer that nation. And at the end of that interpretation, it shows that the Messiah will come in and destroy the worldly kingdoms. And so if you're the Jews wanting deliverance from an oppressive nation 
and there are stories, tales embedded in your history of Messiah coming in and blowing up whatever is oppressing you, you might have expectations. You might have, you know, this desire of somebody's going to come in and overthrow Rome. Someone's going to come in and destroy our enemies. You know, they wanted instant justice. But with God, Jesus shows up on the scene, and he's not violent. He's kind. He's patient. He comes in weakness. He comes to serve, not to be served. And for us, it shows us that we serve a God of another chance, a God that's always um, extending to us grace and mercy, a chance of repentance. Because as we look at this field, we can say, you know, I'm, I'm wheat and people out there are weeds, but the truth is, at some point, we were all weeds. We were all enemies of God, and through his grace, some of us have been adopted. Through his mercy, we are now no longer enemies of God, children of the devil, but we are God's children. And at the end of the age, we will be redeemed and not judged as the weeds will be. And what I love about this parable is, as Jesus explains it, notice that uh, our job is not to sort out the wheat and the weeds. That's the angel's job. So while we're here on earth, you know, there are a lot of um, temptations in my own heart. Some people go as far to make ministries about this, of calling people out of like, these are false teachers, these guys aren't Christians, these guys, and we just start categorizing and separating people who call themselves Christians and say, well, we're not going to associate with them because clearly they aren't saved because X, Y, and Z. But our job is not to separate the weeds and the wheat. Our job is to grow. We're just growing in the field. We're just doing life in the midst, in our midst, there are children of the enemy. And our lives should be so entangled that if our lives were uprooted or the lives of the weeds, the children of the enemy, if they were uprooted, that would be bad news for everybody around them. That would cause trouble. That would cause drama. That would be hurtful. So our job is just to grow, to do life, with them, and at the end of the age, God, through his angels, will take care of the separating. A few months ago, I don't know how long ago it was, um, we had some missionaries here from Indonesia, and they, um, one thing that they said really stuck in my mind is that, you know, they minister to um, a very heavy um, Islamic population, a lot of Muslims. But what they're saying is that Muslims are starting to have these dreams. God is giving them these dreams and people are getting saved because of these radical dreams that these Muslims are having. And for me, Muslims are pretty um, anti-Jesus. They're pretty aggressive 
about their faith and people that don't agree with them. But I have to imagine if God is communicating to Muslims through dreams, that God is speaking in similar ways to Hindus, to Mormons, to LGBTQ persons, to transgender persons, to Democrats, to Republicans. If God is going out of his way to communicate his truths to people that are far from him, he's probably doing that globally. Because Jesus wants to see those people saved. I think it's in one of the Peters that uh, God will, none should perish. He wants to see them saved. He wants to see them as wheat and not weeds. And if we have kingdom perspective, we want to see these people saved. And so our job, our time on this earth is to be growing, doing life, displaying kingdom values, pressing into the teachings of Jesus, and doing life with those around us. Because the truth is, what we're longing for is coming. The kingdom of God, even though it's coming to fruition in our minds slowly, it will come, and it will come completely, and that will be a beautiful day, a great day. Our souls will be delivered fully. We will be singing praises to God. Our sin will be melting away. But who will be there with us? It'd be selfish for us to say, like, oh, I wish it's right now. And then how many people wouldn't make it into the kingdom because they were getting saved tomorrow or later this week? So as we trust in God's timing and be honest with ourselves, maybe this is convicting to you. Maybe you don't share Jesus really with those around you. And it can be, I get it, I mean, Sharing your faith can be intimidating. At least, I think it can seem intimidating. It can feel intimidating. But the truth is, it's just an introduction. We were at this workshop at our retreat last weekend. And one of the things that this guy said um, is about sharing your faith, talking to people about Jesus, was... um, He said, start planting seeds and stop planting redwoods. Because sometimes when we feel like we're sharing our faith with people, we have to pull out this big whiteboard and explain every detail. It's like, okay, so this circle is your free will, and this circle is God's moral will, and then this blurry part in between, that's God's sovereign will. And then over here, you have God who's fully man, but also fully God, and this is the hypostatic union, and their eyes get glazed over, and they're just, it's too much, too much information, too confusing. But if we put the whiteboard away and have coffee with somebody and listen and just be there, do life with them, let Jesus speak to them through his word through our lives. I was thinking about this as Jesus is sharing parables 
Are our lives parables to those around us? Is there mystery? Is there, you know, is our life a picture of what kingdom living should be like? Is the kingdom of God like a contractor, like a mom who's raising her kids, like a musician, like a business owner? I think it is. I think that we have far more value in communicating the gospel through our lives than in scripted uh, evangelism. Not that we shouldn't evangelize, I think that we should, but I think that the, the change and transformation that Jesus is doing in our lives is more powerful than we give it credit. And when we get frustrated, when we long for the kingdom to come today, when another person takes their life, when another war breaks out, when another natural disaster takes out a population, when we value speed and strength and efficiency, I think Jesus tells us to come back to these parables. Understand who we are, who he is. You know, the farmer knew the weeds were there. The farmer knew that the enemy had planted the weeds there, but he was patient. Nothing surprises God. Nothing's out of his eyesight, his control. And so I think as we come back to these parables, even today as we leave this place, as we finish off in worship, I'd encourage you to think about the kingdom. What does that mean for you? What does it mean for you this week? What do you have planned? Are you traveling or is your are your kids getting back into school like what rhythms of life do you have coming up this week that you could really just press into the kingdom the teachings of Jesus not worry about security not worry about strength not worry about speed not worry about these things that are so high priority to the world but rather press into your community. Share life with those around you. I think that if we come back to these parables and we are reminded that Jesus is patient with us, he's patient with the world, I think if we meditate on those things, that we'll see patience start to grow in our own lives, that patience will start to grow in our own hearts, and that the kingdom will begin to accomplish more and more, spread more and more into our hearts. God, thanks for today. We thank you for your word. God, we thank you that you are a God who is patient. God, we thank you that you love us, that you are kind to us, 
And as Zach mentioned earlier, that you have sent your spirit or that we have that gift, that comforter, that guide. So Lord, I, I pray for each one of us in this room. Lord, maybe there's an area of our lives that we're holding the kingdom back because we're scared, because we're worried, because we're anxious. God, I pray that we'd open that door. God, if there's somebody in our life that we're keeping out of the kingdom, God, I pray that you would change our heart towards that person, that we would have the heart of Christ towards those maybe outside of these walls, outside of your kingdom. God, I pray that even this week, through this body, that you would add to your kingdom, that we would see people saved and that those people would be people that we never thought would enjoy you. God, I pray that you would be surprising each one of us with those who you bring to your kingdom. God, we give you today. Receive our worship in your name. Amen. You've been listening to the Revelation Church Coeur d'Alene podcast. Learn more about Revelation Church at revelationcda.com.